Hey everyone, welcome to MCU Fan Show episode 277. My name is Sean Gerber. In a moment, I'll be joined by Paul Herman for our latest speculation spectacular, talking about what we expect from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and more specifically variants of Kang following Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Before our conversation begins, want to let you know once again about Fan Show Plus. That is a podcast that is exclusive to premium subscribers at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts, where you can hear us talk about extra MCU topics like Steven Yun joining the Marvel Cinematic Universe in Thunderbolts, and also the latest on the financial performance for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, and Marvel perhaps having to take an L on that one and not being able to call it a win. So that conversation happens on Fan Show Plus, which you can access at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber, or on Apple Podcasts, if you search for the MCU Fan Show channel, you can find it there, or just search for Fan Show Plus on Apple Podcasts, you can find it that way, and subscribe so that you can hear that episode and many, many more. And then also make sure you're following us in the places you can. We are at MCU Fan Show on Instagram and Twitter, and if you're enjoying the show, we would greatly appreciate a rating and review from you on Apple Podcasts. It really does make a difference, and we got a couple new reviews this week. So thanks so much to everyone who took the time to do that over the past week, or whenever you took the time to do that. We really do appreciate it. And now, on with our show. How you doing, Paul Herman? I am hanging in there, hanging in there. Lots of... uh... Lots of interesting things going on, and it seems like, uh, you know, with, with the Ant Man stuff, kind of, you know, the, the 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 box office a little bit. People are, are there's there's I feel like there's some panic out there, but I, to be honest, I'm not. We'll, we'll get into that later, I guess. But but just just for me, I'm not I'm not in the panic mode. I, I'm just I'm just not. Maybe I'm too much of an optimistic. Maybe that's I've I've been called that before, but <laughs> I. I don't think the things I don't think are falling. I think in our speculation no. episode, we'll kind of ex- we'll explain why I think we, there's lots and lots of be, even more to be excited about. Well, I think that even though, as I teased in the little intro there, and and as I'll elaborate on Fan Show Plus, which uh, will be available right around the time this podcast is available on the main MCU Fan Show feed. Yeah, I, I do talk about some of the context of why. I think Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, financially anyway, would be considered uh, a bit of, at least a bit of a miss for Marvel Studios compared to other projects. I mean, it had the biggest opening in the Ant-Man, in the history of the Ant-Man franchise by a healthy margin, but now it has a a pretty good chance of of ending up being the lowest grossing Ant-Man film uh, in the franchise. Maybe it will finish in second place just above the first Ant-Man film. But that's from 2015 at 519 million dollars, and I'm pretty sure Quantumania cost more than that Ant-Man movie, that first Ant-Man movie, and then of course the rest of the context, the expectation being uh, that this would be a, a bigger movie in the the grander scheme of things for the MCU, and maybe draw up more interest, and that hasn't necessarily happened. And I do think audience reaction to the movie, and that's not, and that's a separate conversation from the review that you and I have, which. We were both very positive on Quantum Mania, while also acknowledging the flaws that that we saw, and, and I imagine a number of other people identified, or a completely different set of flaws that they identified that maybe had people not liking the movie 
as much as other Marvel films, or maybe perhaps probably not as much as, as we did, at least in some cases. And uh, I believe that that word of mouth not being as glowing as it typically has been for Marvel movies, I'm talking about general audience word of mouth, not critics, with that B cinema score, and that impacted, I, I do think that there was a, a quality impact on uh, the quality of the film impacted the box office in, in a negative way. And uh, that doesn't mean, however, that it's a worst case scenario and a total fail because we're this episode is going to be largely about Kang. And the, the way it would have been a worst case scenario and a total failure for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania is if people came out of this movie with no interest in Kang and just disliking that character. If people were came out of Quantumania saying, I'm over this, don't care about Jonathan Majors, don't care about Kang, then Marvel would be in real trouble because the next he is the big bad that's gonna or the big bads that's gonna be looming over the Marvel Cinematic Universe for the remainder of the multiverse saga which we still have a few years worth of movies and shows that are going to be a part of that. So that would be really bad news. That would be the worst news for Marvel Studios. That didn't happen. What you had is the consensus is, even for amongst people who didn't necessarily care for the movie as much as you or I did, Paul, is that Jonathan Majors was awesome as Kang, and people loved that performance. And so I, I do think the interest in that character is still there, and so as Marvel continues to develop that character and present him to audiences, or variants of him to audiences, the hype will still be able to build up there. One movie, or even if you want to say it's more than one, if you go back to Eternals, which wasn't necessarily a Kang implication, but okay, so Marvel's had a couple recent releases that didn't quite live up to financial expectations and, and had not so great cinema scores from audiences that still doesn't represent the majority of what Marvel's put out over the past couple of years, which have been very successful financially and have received pretty good marks from cinema scores. And and so from general audiences via cinema score surveys and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely not, I, I don't think I would paint you with, well, I would call you an optimist, generally speaking, but I don't think it's, uh, it, it, I don't even think a whole lot of optimism is required when it comes to where Marvel is at right now. We're not talking about a trend. We're talking about one movie that didn't really have uh, as great of a response, that had a somewhat negative response and you know financial performance that didn't quite live up, that doesn't look like it's going to live up to expectations at this time. That's not a, a disaster scenario. I, I think a lot of what we talked about even before seeing Quantumania and we talked about the state of the MCU a couple episodes back, a lot of that stuff still holds. I, I think for Marvel, and I, I talk about this on Fanshow Plus, so I, I won't go, we have a lot of other things to talk about here, so I don't want to go too deep into it, but Kevin Feige has said on a number of occasions that Marvel Studios learned something from every project that they make. So he's been pretty clear about that. And so I think that as far as that's concerned, all Marvel Studios really has to do is continue with that strategy and continue with that philosophy of learn something from every project. So if you if we say that this was a, a loss or certainly not, I don't think you could quite call it a win. But if we go ahead and we, we say that, well, then 
it may maybe in the case of Quantum Mania, there are more even more lessons to learn than there typically are for Marvel Studios on a given project, and that's totally fine as long as Marvel Studios learns lessons from that and applies it to future projects. I don't really see this becoming a trend. It's certainly not a sky is falling, MCU is in trouble type of scenario. One movie can't really do that, especially when the one part of this movie that Marvel is depending the most on for audiences caring about moving forward, that part of the movie actually worked. And most people who saw the movie agree that that part of it worked. And that's Kang. Yeah, I, I was, you know, I'm not, I'm not one to think that like, there's a huge trend going on. I'm I'm intrigued to see what they do and how they recover afterwards. I think guardians will do well, everything. Um, but what's again, and the main part of this, of the Ant-Man and the Wasp worked. And if that's the thing that people will not, that to me is the most fascinating part is if that, if the, if Kang can connect, which he did, obviously, I mean, that's, there's no doubt about it. That is going to be the driving force. How does that, how's that going to recover? And I think that's going to be fascinating to see what happens. Cause you know, l- listen for love and thunder, you know, you could go back to that movie. Didn't go, go crazy. And, you know, and, People try to, you know, try to nitpick that movie to death, but they go, it should have made a billion dollars. It should have been. I'm like, listen, in the post pandemic world we live in, it did pretty well. You know, it was, it was a very, very, very good performer. Yeah. It would have been nice to get to a billion. That's like the cherry on top, but it was a success. And, and I think that's the thing about it is that if you make a good movie, people will go see it. And I think it's evident with Wakanda forever with any good, with any movie out there, right? Sean, a novel idea, right? Um, but I, I just think that let's see what the quality of the films are afterwards. And if, if the quality of the performances we're getting from Jonathan Majors as Kang is any indication, uh, we're going to be just fine. And I think that it's it's really uh, also hilarious that you have Creed 3 coming out and it stars Jonathan Majors. And that's, you know, that ends up being like the killing blow to Ant-Man uh, Quantum Mania. But, but at the same time, it might actually help you down the road because it's just improving Jonathan Major's status as a movie star, as we've sure, talked about yeah. before. And, I, and I've, and I've talked before too. I don't, if you want to say like Marvel's in trouble, it, this might be the, the their saving grace is Jonathan Majors. It, it might end up being that, which is crazy to think about. Let's just, let's even think about that for a reason. If people are starting to get bored, let's just maybe think that it's going down that road, which I don't think so. Maybe some people are, maybe some general audience people are getting exhausted. And I think that's, I can understand that, but there, if there's one thing that could draw them in is a movie star it, it, that is demanding their attention. And let's be real. Jonathan majors demands your attention. Like he's already proving that. And I think that that's, that could be like the almost Marvel's like, you know, secret weapon and, and the, one of the most fortuitous uh, castings maybe, maybe ever for them potentially. We'll see. I, I could be talking a big game here, but that's where, I think this could be going. And I think, again, going into our King speculation, I think could really, there's a lot you could do with this character and with Jonathan Majors, which they're already doing, but there's even more in my opinion. So I'm, yeah, I, I'm really excited to see where the future holds with, 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 with Kang and with Jonathan Majors and how they go forward and how they learn from these experiences. Cause I think you can learn a lot from, I know multiverse of madness. You can learn from love and thunder to Wakanda forever to, you know, um, you know, quantum mania. So there's a lot you can learn. And I'm curious how they, how this next phase evolves from then. Cause I do think Sean, 
that this next phase, even though phase five started off not with like financially the best example, maybe, or best uh, thing that for the MCU, I think phase five is going to be just ginormous. And I think from scope, from other other films that are coming out, there's a lot. To, there's, there's so much to be excited about. So much. Yeah. And I think, look, I don't think the general audience thinks of these things in the ways that a lot of times we end up yeah. talking about them or they get talked about online of this absolute approach of, oh, it's everything with the MCU is great and everybody's all in from here on out or, oh, everybody just jumped off this thing and it's done now. Like, it doesn't work like that. I don't think people make those decisions. Audiences are actually smart enough to know their own relationship with the MCU, which is they already don't go see everything and they already don't love everything that maybe those of us who are, well, not that we love everything either, but those of us who do go and see every movie and, and watch every Disney Plus show and every episode when it premieres or within the first couple days of it premiering or, or whatever our schedules will allow, that's not most of the people interacting with this stuff. And I think generally speaking, you're, the situation, it's only as good or bad as your last movie. And so if we say, okay, well, if we write the book on Ant-Man the Wasp Quantumania and we say that one, you know, lower tier as far as the audience's relationship with it, okay, fine, but you can get them right back. Did the audience show they had no interest in Spider-Man No Way Home because they weren't as enthusiastic about Eternals? No, they came right back and watched Spider-Man No Way Home and more people watched Spider-Man No Way Home than any Marvel movie since Avengers Endgame. And I think what's coming up next after Quantumania, also the third part of a trilogy for a beloved franchise and a, a culmination, a finale type of event, that I'm sure audiences are really looking forward to. Whatever ground was lost by Ant-Man and the Wasp, Quantumania, in terms of a broader MCU sense, they can get right, they can get that momentum right back and move moving in a positive direction with Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So that's not even really an issue for me. It really goes to, well, what about after that with the Marvels? Yeah, they probably need to make sure that the Marvels is really good and they have a few extra months now to make sure that that movie is as great as, not only it should be just for audiences, just as great as it deserves to be for the storytellers that they're working with, like Nia DaCosta, the director, the cast that they have, and those wonderful characters of Carol Danvers, Kamala Khan, Monica Rambeau. So I think as far as that stuff goes, until we start to see a trend that is the opposite of all the positivity we've seen yeah. for the MCU... I think any talk of, about, you know, well, here we are talking about it. So, uh, you know, uh, we kind of responding to a little bit of the temperature of what's out there. But for the most part, I think it's way too early to make any sweeping generalizations of the MCU, especially when, as I said, I don't really think the audience thinks that way anyway. They just didn't like this one. We'll see what happens on the next one. And in every movie, is in, a, in every Disney Plus series, is an opportunity for Marvel Studios to create new fans and also reignite the interest of people who have already been fans of the franchise, even people who don't necessarily they're yeah. fans, but don't necessarily from a casual standpoint and don't necessarily watch everything right when it comes out. But as I said, 
most important function well the most important function was to make the best movie possible i don't think they totally achieved that that which you know you're not going to be able to do that every time out no one bats a thousand even marvel studios but one of the other important uh, takeaways from it was here's the beginning of a new dynasty here is kang the mm-hmm. conqueror and as i said the consensus even amongst the not so positive reviews is that jonathan majors was outstanding as kang because he was and to your point paul so Jonathan Majors as Kang leaves IMAX screens from Quantum Mania, and the, that movie is replaced on IMAX screens by Creed Three, starring Jonathan Majors. So yeah, I, I think that point about Jonathan Majors being this uh, this movie star in the making, we're seeing this happen in real time, and yeah, that is going to positively impact these movies, and I think, of course. What matters most to audiences is how he performs and what they're intending to see him in. From the Marvel perspective, Jonathan Majors is an antagonist that people already like in the MCU, and now they'll see mm-hmm. even more of him. And uh, to in classic MCU fan show fashion, 18 minutes into the show, I guess, yeah, let's go ahead and let's talk about what we really wanted yeah. to get into. And uh, we've done this a few times in, in the podcast. We're not super big on speculation shows, but every once in a while we feel like the situation is warranted because if you want us to speculate, we can speculate all day, every day and find a way to come up with theories 24/7. all the time, just nonstop. But we try to limit ourselves because, you know, we can get excited and uh, which my tone of voice historically communicates. But um, yeah, I think <laughs> that, uh, I think in the case of this one, it's warranted. Just looking at other instances, I mean, we did a big speculation show after uh, Infinity War. We did another one, I think, after Endgame to kind of look at where things would go moving forward in the MCU. And while Quantumania is a far cry from Infinity War or Endgame, since it's not really a culmination type of event, it still is an important point in at this stage in the multiverse saga as not necessarily the beginning of the saga, as the marketing would have told you, um, mm-hmm. but uh, the, the beginning of the new dynasty and, and really kind of the big, I don't know. It, I know Jonathan Majors already appeared as he who remains in Loki, but in many respects, this was kind of the coming out party of, of the big bad for this saga in the MCU. And so, and, and it, it just... It, it gave us a lot of thoughts coming out of watching Quantumania, especially, well, everything that you saw in the film. And then I, I guess here's your, spo- your spoiler warning. Then not that, I mean, I think you probably would have figured that out, uh, that uh, if we're speculating off of Quantumania, that this will involve spo- spoilers for Quantumania. So if you haven't seen the movie, um, which some people haven't, so make sure you see it before you listen to the rest of this. But yeah, I, I think the mid credit scene, as I mentioned during our spoiler review of Quantum Mania, that was a moment where um, this is why we we we've never actually sat down and watched a Marvel movie in a in a theater together, and, and one day we will have to rectify well, that. Yes, but yes. there are plenty of times there have been certain moments over the course of watching these movies in the MCU where I do think of Paul and I do know exactly <laughs> what his reaction would be. <laughs> As if he were sitting next to me. And mm-hmm. the mid credit scene from Quantum Mania was totally one of those moments. <laughs> because, yes. 
I just knew that uh, Paul Herman was going to lose his mind. Like that, this yeah. is where I was king. I was living in the future because I was seeing it a few days before Paul, and I already <laughs> knew exactly how that moment was going to play out. So as yeah. it was happening uh, for you, Paul, like I already knew. I already lived yeah. that moment, yeah. knowing how awesome. you would respond. Uh, which is what motivated my text to you. I didn't want to say what moment it was going to be because then I'm creating hype for I a specific that. moment. Um, but I yeah, did yeah. just say the the movie was going to blow your your freaking mind, and only I didn't use freaking. Yeah. And no, no, uh, no. and and this mainly was the the moment that I was referring to because yeah, this this Council of Kang's business is uh, oh boy, there's there's it's, trouble it's coming. Our our dear heroes. Yeah, there is a lot of trouble coming, and I think that. There's with when you told when you texted me that I'm glad you didn't obviously I'm glad you didn't tell me it was an credit scene or mid credit scene but what I was when I was watching it I, I the movie I was just captivated of having this character Kang and they really they really did capture I think the essence of you know the the Kang that we know in the comic books so that he fought the Avengers this calm it, you know very confident very powerful but yet could just get outthinks himself, you know, and, and, you know, obviously loses control. I, I Jonathan Majors played a perfect, a, I think a, per, a perfect adaptation of the character. And now, as we probably can see, there's a lot of different kinds of variations of this character. Right. And I don't mean that from a variant standpoint, I mean, literally from a personality standpoint. And I, I love the fact that they really dove into what makes, I think this whole thing really interesting. And I, which is that these different aspects of Kang that all interconnect with different parts of the MCU or the Marvel universe, I should say. And there's a lot coming. I think I, I, and I don't know. I, I still think there's movies they haven't announced yet in phase five or series or something like that. But, but there's there a couple, are, there's, uh, a there's a couple calendar openings in phase six, because I think we're because Thunderbolts, I believe, is the end of phase five. And we have stuff announced through then, although all this like, the scheduling stuff is so hard to figure out because we have no dates for Disney Plus series at this point. We have like a lot of stuff that they've made uh, that's gone through principal photography and or at least gone through a significant chunk of it that we don't have dates for. But, yeah, there's there are projects that are are, are would qualify as yet to be announced that could still be part of phase six before we get to Secret Wars. Yeah, and so I think when, I've, I've I've talked about at nauseum some comics here that I think that I are really that they they I think that either are one hundred percent for sure going to happen, and some are a little more speculative on my part, and you know because I'm going to say right now I think Wanda's going to play a huge part. I'm going to she's going to play a gigantic part of this movie because Immortus, if back in the comics the you know the guy has a softer voice. Um, with the big, he's like at the, at the tall headpiece and got a blue face, which I, by the way, was not expecting, Yeah, but I loved it. The I guy talking the most, the guy talking the most in the, uh, oh, in the mid credit so scene. God. He is fascinating because in the comic books, he is one egging on Wanda and Vision getting married. He's the one that marries them in the comic books. And it's because he, he brings up the whole Nexus thing. If you read Avengers forever, which is a great comic, a great Kang comic, which is basically Kang versus Immortus. Um, and gathering different people, you guys get what I'm going with this, um, you know, and so and they basically get different people to win the world, the war for each other, essentially. Right. And um, in that, like one of the things that you see is that he's the one bringing Wanda and Vision together so that she can create 
he can master the nexus being to master time and reality and keep it the way he wants it to be and kind of use her as a pawn and also use her children also as well it's really fascinating um when i when I read that, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. Because I forgot. There's a lot. There's a lot. Man, and Marvel Universe is so rich, man. It's crazy. Um, so I almost think that you look at Multiverse of Madness, Sean. There's a reason why I think you have her. You take her off the board. You have her have that redemption arc for, for a reason. We know it's coming. But where is it? Where does it fit? It fits in with Secret Wars in some way with Mortis. There is, there's no way. I think that's one almost a guarantee. So there's yeah. a lot to go in on well, with that. And I think Wanda, even aside from the comic, I think there's just look at where we're at in the MCU, right? Like look at Wanda had her, I mean, all of the multiverse saga for Wanda so far has been a fall, right? It's been her doing what she did in WandaVision, being real, real sorry about that, but then doing all that again, but worse in Multiverse of Madness and then coming to the realization and, you know, some Darkhold influence, whatever, go back to our multiverse of madness, spoiler for what I think of that. Um, but um, yeah, like Wanda has has fallen so deep <laughs> at this point and, and fallen so hard at where she's at now that, yeah, I, I do think a lot of this is setting up a, a redemption arc for her. And but I, I don't think it's going to be a, a smooth process for her getting there. And so I, I think where you look at how things stack up, like her having a, a big hero role ultimately in Kang Dynasty and or Secret Wars makes a ton of sense. I, I think that is a, a huge part of why things have gone the way they have for her and not just the way she, they've gone for her the way she's made them go also through her own actions. It just sets all of that up. And They've made her a huge part of in terms of her power level, in terms of her interest, in terms of everything that she does. Right. She is there for she is kind of an an agent of the multiverse as a nexus being as the Scarlet Witch. And so it's all there for her to be a massive part of this. So, yeah, I, I absolutely believe that to be true. And and you can just look at what's already happening in story from Kang's perspective or Immortus or whichever variant we're talking about who ultimately tries to utilize her is because of what's happened with Wanda, somebody is going to, and and most likely some variant of Kang, is going to feel like this is somebody who can be manipulated, this is somebody who can be taken advantage of to ultimately do this variant of Kang's bidding. And I think that would be just be the emotional and, and character test of Wanda to see if she would go for whatever Kang promises, which would be the easy way out and give her whatever she wants most versus her doing what she deep down knows is is actually the right thing. And I mean, think about what Kang was doing in Quantum Mania, Paul. Kang is mm-hmm. like temptation. Like, just help me yep. and I'll give you whatever you want. Like, help me. And, and by the way, Scott pulled a Wanda there. He was totally, he was like, fine, I'll, I'll give, I'll yeah. let you out. I'll do whatever I got to do because I want to make sure that I have my time with Cassie. So we already know that's a method that Kang or variants of Kang would employ. And it would certainly seem like from their perspective, that would be an effective way to approach Wanda. And then it's just the test for that we witness as an audience. What does Wanda do this time? Does yeah, she well- go with Kang to get 
whatever she wants or does she make a different choice? And also in terms of what Wanda would want to protect now. So before in Multiverse of Madness, she just wants to be a mom to her kids. She doesn't care in which universe it is. She doesn't even care that she has to replace herself or whatever it is. She just wants what she wants. But now that she's realized like, hey, that's not it because of what you see at the very end of Multiverse of Madness, instead of being like being turned into the monster in just one version of her kid's eyes, like if she wants to be a mom to her kids, she can't be a mom in that direct way. Or maybe she could. We'll see what they they cook, what they cook up. But from a broader perspective, she could be the mother and the protector of all the variants of all of her kids. And that's Ooh, where she would have like to that. battle Kang. And that's where you do get the, the really big <laughs> emotional stakes for Wanda and her seeing a, a different role for herself. Well, you know, one of the things, you know, I, 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 by the way, I did not expect, expect to talk this much about Wanda, but I love it. Uh, there's a couple things I love. I love that idea of her protecting all the variants of her children. One of the things I think that you... The biggest again, I can understand. I understand the criticism. I don't agree with the criticism of Wanda again. But go listen to our old our old show, which again, I love that episode. That was a great episode. I thought great great discussion between two people who love each other, but also could disagree and talk about it. I love that. Um, so one of the things I think that I think would help, I think you and other people, Sean, maybe is also because using Immortus and his. Because I think what's going to end up happening is I think she's also being manipulated by Immortus. I think that's one way that she ends up being where she is. And we're going to see the seeds that he helps plant because he knows if this is like once it's just because we don't know where I'm not sure where Loki goes in the timeline with um, exactly with uh, WandaVision or whatever. But I, I do think that there's something there where where. Immortus is probably he's doing something to her to cause her to do this. It's gonna he, he knows the temptations because he'll have known all these different versions of Wanda and how to egg her on and get her to that place and do whatever he needs to do to get her to where he wants her to be. And that's where I'm wondering what's gonna happen is that she's gonna find out that actually all those things could have happened, but it was prevented by somebody else and it was manipulated. So she was manipulated to be that way. He was she was used because of her power. And I think that there's going to be also that whole idea of like Immortus and you have the dark hole. He'll know the dark hole that exists. He'll use that to help manipulate her to do what he wants to keep the timeline safe or whatever. And it's, that's how I think you're going to help get some resolve with her and maybe not be, she's all evil. Like there's going to be a little bit of like retro, um, yeah, retconning a little I, bit, which I, which I don't think, I, I think I, it's legit. I'd prefer, honestly, I'd prefer they not go that route. I think they've already given me enough of, hey, is it really Wanda's fault with the Darkhold is influencing her and corrupting her and, and all of that stuff? Like, at, at this point, I'm I'm less interested in excuses for why Wanda did what she did and acted the way that she did in Multiverse of Madness. Because just going back into what my issue with that is, I just don't like removing Wanda's agency anyway. So finding another way that it was also removed um, retro <laughs> through retconning, that's not really going to help me. I think at this point, what happened in Multiverse of Madness happened. It's I'm really more interested in how Wanda moves forward. And right. I do think the most impactful redemption arc is to have her have the opportunity to, in a, in a much easier way than she's ever even had had to before, be offered to get exactly what she wants, exactly what she says she's wanted, what she's done, terrible things to get. Have somebody her offer that 
in the easiest way possible to her, but for her to know it's not the right thing and, and make a more difficult choice, uh, which is what she did yeah, at what? the end of WandaVision, by the way. Yeah. And so let's have her do that again in, in the biggest way possible. But I want to complicate this a little bit more for you. So um, I, I have one thing to add about Wanda, too. All so, right, go uh, for it. Yeah. All right. Really quick, really quick. The one thing I'm going to say is I also think in, when it, whenever, because I, again, I think it's almost, I'm 90% sure Immortus and, and Wanda, she'll be involved in somewhere in that, in that realm, whatever. I do think that it's going to be brought up that she's a mutant again. I know they've retconned in the comics, but this is a big way to be like, because, because if she is the bridge that Nexus being, they kind of hinted it a little bit in WandaVision. I think the mutant aspect is like the trifecta. It's like she's she's special because she's got the magic element. She's got the mutant element. She's got all these different things. It's like a, tri you know, the infinity stone element. All those th all those things are like are embodied into her. She represents like literally the unifying power of the MCU. Like that's the thing I would think of it like. So I think there's going to be a good way to it really show the mutant side with Wanda is, is going to be evident through there and brought up by Immortus. I just want to throw as a little receipt. I want to make sure that people know that I said that here first. Yep. Because uh, I uh, officially filed. Um, so, and by filed, I mean, one of our dear listeners, should this come to fruition, one of you will remember <laughs> that Paul said this. Yes. And, oh, and I'll remember and I said refer it. us back to, uh, well, we don't do that many speculation shows, so we'll, we, it won't be too even by the time we get to Secret Wars, it won't be too far to we won't have to go back too far to find a speculation episode uh, where this point was made, especially that this is a dedicated speculation episode. But when I say I want to complicate this more, but it's uh, transitioning from Wanda to another character because you know there's been another character that we haven't met yet in the MCU but has Wanda connections, has Wanda and Kang connections, because there is actually an Avengers Kang Dynasty storyline or Kang War storyline from Avengers Volume 3 uh, back in, what was that, like early 2000s-ish uh, when they did that storyline, um, which it's been a, a long time since I've read it, but I know, I, I do yeah. recall there being a, a healthy-sized Wanda and Wonder Man component to that, and... Mm. normally I would dismiss the idea of, hey, it's too late for Wonder Man. Um, Simon Williams, it's great that he gets to come into the MCU, but um, we're already kind of off and running here in the multiverse saga. And, and maybe with the new slowing down of Disney Plus series, I, I don't actually know if timing will allow this or not, but we know that they are planning on making a Wonder Man show and if the timing still works out for them to be able to do that, there's another common denominator here. It's not just comic books of Wanda and Simon Williams and Vision. And by the way, they are there was there have been talks and there reports in the trades about them making a Vision series. We don't know where that stands. Maybe that's one of the unannounced uh, Phase Six projects as well. But there is a connection besides the comic books between Wanda. Simon Williams and Kang, Destin Daniel Cretton, who's directing Avengers Kang Dynasty, is also the one executive producing and directing some of the episodes of Wonder Man. So mm. he's the one, and he's been uh, developing this series. So, I mean, why would he have... I mean, he could have just had an interest in this project specifically because Wonder Man, Simon Williams, is an awesome and fun character to do a show about. 
That's 100% mm. true, and it would be just fine all by itself in, in that vacuum. I'm just throwing this out there as a, as a maybe because of that connection. If you have the same creator engineering and kind of behind the scenes of developing these projects and a very significant role, obviously, directing Kang Dynasty and directing episodes of and, and developing the Wonder Man series... Simon Williams having a a larger than what you might expect right now at this moment role in Kang Dynasty, and that perhaps that carries over to Secret Wars, um, but definitely within Kang Dynasty, I could see that happening as well. I, I think there's still room for that if they get the series made and, and out on Disney Plus ahead of Kang Dynasty. Yeah, that's here's the thing, man, and this is where I, I don't. I, I would actually think that's a very valid thing to do because there's lots of good drama you could do between Wanda wonder man and vision. Because one of the cooler aspects I thought of, um, the Avengers West coast run that John Byrne did, he's the one that did vision quest and brought in the the white vision, um, was when, and, and, and really kind of pushed Wanda that evil side a little more like that, that we saw in multiverse of madness. You get more of a glimpse of that in the burn run, uh, specifically, and one of the things that um, I I would love to see that, that that I liked was the the love triangle between Vision, Wonder Man, and Scarlet Witch. The thing was with Scarlet Witch was that she loved Vision and and had feelings for Wonder Man. But the problem was when Vision went white, when Vision became the White Vision character, he became complete like 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 we saw in in WandaVision, the the show. He was just a a shell of the personality of the original vision and is more like just kind of just ambivalent and that she was naturally drawn back to Simon. So there's just, there's a lot of really interesting dynamics you could do there. The only thing that I just, I don't know, Sean is I'm not sure if Elizabeth, Elizabeth Olsen wants to do all this. It's a lot of work and I'm not sure it feels like they, she they, recently they, said in an interview, she can't wait to be invited back. So I, that's, that's fair. I mean, but, but, but it feels like with the end of multiverse of madness, it felt like giving, it's like her time to get a break. That's well, what it felt just, like. Just, I mean, if we're looking at when she shot it, I mean, most of the principal photography of that movie happened in late 2020 and early 2021. So, not counting like the additional photography and the reshoots and stuff, it's been a few years already. Um, or she's already had a a, a decent break from playing yeah. Scarlet Witch, and so, and, and I look, I'm I'm not speaking for her. I don't know how much she wants to do and, and how much she wants to sign up for, but I could see her having a, a small part in the Agatha series. And then if they want to establish these connections to set up Kang Dynasty and Wonder Man being in it, I could see her having a, a small part in that one potentially. Um, but there's other ways to there's other ways to establish relationships and there's actually a lot that they could do even in Kang Dynasty like because the other thing to not rule out is remember that the Avengers rosters that we dealt with they weren't all the same between Infinity War and Endgame right obviously Infinity War kind of blew up the balloon and and had original Avengers but also mixing in a lot of stuff from newer characters who'd been introduced in phase two or phase three and then uh, Endgame focused more on the original six, but still not exclusively, right? Instead of Doctor Strange, you had Ant-Man being a big part of it um, uh, in that film. So having some different rosters allows them 
What that also allows them to do is tell more of the story inside the Avengers movie without necessarily having quite as much setup for every character moment and every character beat ahead of time. So that's where they could also have uh, some of these things. That's where they could lay the groundwork for some of these things and and kind of yeah. establish them. So there's other ways they can do it that would allow them to to have that. But again, there's such the there's this just this whole timing question mark right now that that makes it really hard to know what they're going to do and cuz at this point we don't have a timetable for exactly when we will see Wonder Man on Disney Plus, but as long as we see it sometime within the next couple of years, that's before Kang Dynasty hits, right? So there yeah. is an opportunity yeah. there. And I do think the Agatha series though not, I don't expect Agatha to be a, a mainstay in Kang Dynasty or Secret Wars. I can't rule anything out because I don't know what the hell they're doing, but I, I wouldn't guess that. But I do think the Agatha series probably helps lay the groundwork for if we don't see Wanda in that series, at least give us some clue as to where she might be <laughs> as some sort of transition for the character, unless... Unless they're really going to keep Wanda totally off the radar until Kang Dynasty so she can have like, you know, pro wrestling, like hit the music and she gets a run in out of nowhere. Um, I guess that could be the move that they try for uh, for Wanda. But I don't know, a, a little bit of a build up to her return, I, I think, might be a little more fun. But hey, that's uh, that's just me. But I think there are uh, there's another there's some other characters that I want to uh, talk about here, and I, I promise we'll get back yeah. to Kang. Don't worry, everybody. But yeah, but we're it's a speculation spectacular. We're talking about yeah, the heroes that are going to be dealing with Kang. Exactly. So, well, I mean, I guess ditto for Vision stuff we talked about with Wanda and and Simon Williams. So to transition to a completely different character. There, there are characters who, because Marvel doesn't get to make solo movies about them, they rely entirely on these team-ups in order to have more space and have their stories continue. And uh, a character I, I want to talk uh, a bit about for Kang Dynasty and or Secret Wars is the the character we, we just met, uh, El Nino Sin Amor, uh, Namor from Black Panther Wakanda Forever, not necessarily a character you think about from a multiversal standpoint automatically, at least not as he's been presented in the MCU up until this point. But you dig into the comic books and then you totally start to think about that because, yes, there's a lot of Kang stuff that is in play here, but they've also been using a lot of Jonathan Hickman language with incursions and universes dying and, and all of that stuff that is very... Jonathan Hickman Avengers and New Avengers, Avengers World and, and his Secret Wars and, and all of those things. And while there are plenty of things I, I would prefer they not lift from Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars, I don't have a problem with what they're already lifting for it, which is the idea that universes collide and one doesn't survive. That's already part of it. That's in Doctor Strange in the multiverse of madness it even is in some ways loki and uh quantum mania when they talk about timeline entire timelines being destroyed pruned whatever language they're using for it in in a given project but there is that jonathan hickman-esque type of language to it and because it's part of it you know namor is also part of that stuff and when you talk about getting into the morally complex decisions when it comes to the idea of 
you know, famous the the famous whole thing of not trading lives from Avengers Infinity War. Well, we're not necessarily dealing with a set of characters who are all going to be opposed to that in this current MCU in the multiverse saga. Namor was perfectly comfortable with trading lives. Whatever ultimately was going to protect his people in, in Talokan, that was his priority. That was the main thing that he was focused on, even if it meant being, you know, inflicting violence upon others, whatever it took to secure the future of his, to protect and secure the future of his people, that was his greatest concern. And that is still his greatest concern at the end of that movie, as we see what he's thinking about as the story is going to move forward from there. So when we get into, and that's where it feels more Secret Wars than Kang Dynasty to me, Paul, but this is where I think Namor is going to be a very interesting and and very compelling character going forward, because I expect him to be one of the people who's up in everybody else's face and right at the center of these things, because there are going to be a lot of great action and stuff it's and spectacle obviously it's avengers movies that we're eventually talking about here but also like some of the the juicy stuff here is just the philosophical emotional debates and everything that leads to the violent uh conflicts and battles that we see and i think namor is going to be at the center of a lot of that and you talk about you know again raising the profile of mutants to expand upon that coming out of mm-hmm. uh, Kang Dynasty mm-hmm, and Secret mm-hmm. Wars, it's just hard to see where how Namor would not be a central figure in this. Um, and that's a good thing because, uh, man, the idea of Tenoch Huerta being right in the middle of it, it being right in the middle of all God. this mix, I can't wait for that. Like this, please. Namor is going to, I think, obviously had a very popular debut in Black Panther Wakanda Forever, but I, I feel like he's a, mm-hmm. a huge factor in this. I'm just... What I don't have a picture of in my mind is like the interaction between Namor and Kang, other than seeing those two actors go toe to toe. And if we got that, Jonathan Majors versus Tenoch Huerta, holy crap, Uh, that would be uh, that would be amazing. Still in my heart. Yeah, I I I hope we see it. But yeah, I I feel like uh, yeah, Namor is going to be all about this. That's actually what would make Namor really good. Is he and Kang are almost doing cosmic ver- Kang is almost doing cosmic versions of stuff that Namor maybe wouldn't necessarily mm-hmm. hate um, in terms mm-hmm. of protecting what he cares about most. So there is an, an element to Kang that I think Namor would relate to, but that also makes Kang a really good test for a character like Namor of where is yeah. the line that you draw in terms of how far you're willing to go to you know prioritize what you want and, and your people over the lives of, of everyone else. What's fascinating about, I think, King Dynasty um, is obviously the King aspect. But what is the Avengers lineup, right? And that's the one thing that I – I mean, you, you bring all this this great stuff up that – like, listen, I'm not the biggest Jonathan Hickman fan. Like, I think he's a, a great writer, but he gets way too in the weeds of things a lot of times. I think a lot of people who would, would agree with that. You know, sometimes people like that stuff, and I think sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. I definitely – and eventually we'll do this, uh, do cover this uh, heavily on the binge when it gets closer and closer to Secret Wars. Um, but the, his his new Avengers, which is basically the Illuminati version of his, uh, the, all it is the Illuminati of, called the New Avengers, is fantastic. Yep, from that start stuff's to finish. amazing. It, it is so good. It is maybe some of the better, you know, top, maybe the top 
five Marvel series in the last 10 years, you know, I wouldn't put up there with, with, you know, probably the immortal Hulk or anything like that, or vision, uh, mini or maxi series, but it's, it's up there. It's, it's pretty dang good. It's, it's a pretty, pretty well-written story. Um, lots of great, crazy, complex stuff, but that whole morality that you're talking about, I love all the stuff with Namor in on it. And I don't know, if, I don't know if they're gonna be able to do that. Cause there's a lot of setup you have to have there, I think potentially, but to, to your point, I want to I want to I want to throw this oh, out you. I think uh, these heroes are definitely going to be faced with, hey, a victory for your timeline might mean the demise right. of another, and and if that's the case, what do you do? And right. which so was some of the most brilliant stuff that that Hickman did. I I don't feel like I need to spoil it here. Um, so if you haven't read it, go read Jonathan Hickman's New Avengers and, and wait till you see so how good. they got because uh, the guy who's you know famous for not wanting to trade lives, wait. Do you, Go go check out how they dealt with Cap, uh, yeah. with Jonathan Hickman's New Avengers. Oh, so good from uh, which I'm sure it's totally available in Marvel Unlimited. Oh, it's on there. It's on. There. It's all on there. Trust me. Well, and, and let me throw this out here to your point because we don't know what the Avengers lineup is, but I'm gonna throw out some. I'm gonna throw out some people, and you're gonna laugh when I say this because I was reading, um, you know, Avengers two six seven two sixty eight two sixty nine, which is a great Kang story, which is the introduction of the King uh, Council of Kangs, by the way. Um, super fun stuff, fantastic art by John Buscema, Tom Palmer, but let me tell you the lineup for when the King of Dinosaurs, again, I think it's more coincidental, but you're going to laugh when I say it because you're like, oh man. So this is the lineup for Avengers when that happens and around when, because Namor doesn't, he doesn't show up as an Avenger until this time. So it's Namor, okay, Hercules, Captain America, Black Knight, and then Monica Rambeau as Captain Marvel. And well, then Thor shows up at some point too. So all of those characters are are present slash emerging in the MCU. Yes, and you can huh. do. Um, yeah, I mean, I literally just rewatched Love and Thunder today and saw Hercules. So, yep. Um, yep. Yeah. Yep. And so I was like, oh yeah, Hercules is in is getting ready yep. to get going too. And hey, Black Knight, we met Dane Whitman and we started seeing him make that transition at the very end of the post-credit scene in Eternals. So, and, and Monica Rambo, we don't know what superhero name she's going with in the MCU. Might still, I'd say the most logical guess seems like the, you know, photon uh, call sign that her yep. mom had in yep. the first Captain Marvel movie. But yeah, Monica Rambo. I mean, it's very small. You got to zoom in, but they're, she is wearing the superhero costume in that Marvel's teaser poster that they put out a couple weeks ago. So, yeah, mm -hmm. she's becoming a full-blown, full-fledged superhero in the MCU, and she might have the name Captain Marvel by the end of that movie. I don't know. Um, yeah. But, but regardless of the name, it's still Mon it would still be Monica Rambeau who could yep. be a big part of it. So that being an Avengers roster actually makes total sense, except I, I do think a lock for the Kang Dynasty Avengers roster is Shang-Chi because there's your Destin Daniel Craig oh, connection. So, yeah, um, yeah, it, it will never be uh, like for like, but I, I think a good chunk of those names uh, will be there. And, and it might just be obviously a different cap with uh, with Sam. Yeah. But yeah Although but Steve's not dead either, though. <laughs> right, right. Well, that's what I'm saying, too. And, and I've gone on record, too, that I think that Kang Dynasty is going to be a completely separate film from Secret Wars. It's not... They're going to be as far as they're not going to be one for one. I think there's going to be a conclusion 
for oh, just, uh, King Dynasty. Editor's note, because there's a bunch of new Avengers series if you search for them in Marvel Unlimited. It's the one that's 33 issues from 2013 to 2015. So yeah, that's yeah, the one that's to the one uh, check out for some really, really good Illuminati stuff from Hickman. Yeah, and it's and it's it's great because it, it also enriches the Marvel universe. You're going to learn a lot through that, and and the, and the roster kind of shifts. How I, I forgot about this. The, like the Hulk shows up, eventually joins them. It's crazy. So, but it's it's all all really good stuff. And I do think that yeah, I, there's dude, a lot of if, turnover if, in that Illuminati, and for good reason. Yeah, if there's if there's a, if Nemo is an event an Avenger in King dynasty, like one of the main heroes. And here's the one thing I fear. There's one. I don't think he would be on the roster. I think it's one of those things where by the end of the movie, you're like, or secret wars, perhaps you're like, Oh yeah, I guess he's an Avenger now. It's not. Mm. He's a member of the team throughout the entirety of the story. It's, you know, he's, he's he's involved. And then by the nature of the story unfolding the way that it, that it does, he will eventually be fighting alongside Avengers, and that's where he becomes an Avenger. That that's what I don't see. This is what I, I fear. I don't want everyone to become an Avenger. I think it has to be special, right? And so I hope Do you know it's how many people are Avengers after the final battle in in Endgame. See, see, technically, count, all those people no, that, are Avengers. That count. Yeah, I know that doesn't count. We're talking about the OG, like the actual well, team. Well, look, being you know? an event, but we also know being an Avenger is not a permanent state. So. Yeah, you know, that's, that's also part of the Marvel Comics Avengers lore is just because you're, being on the roster is not a lifetime membership. So like that, that's fair. But know, I want like a, it, I, I it's, want it's a little harder to renew than up. your Costco membership. So like you have to well, I, you know, know, you, I know you got to you got to stick with it and stay on the team and you can move on and off the team. I, I just, As I just technically to be a, a Tony Stark did. Yeah, I, listen, or I just want to did. I, I don't know which I one. want. I want a, a legitimate like roster. I don't want it to be like a, a massive amount of people, like 40 people on it. I want it to be no, I don't a group of like be. six, seven people. And and yeah, and that's the thing is I think if and I hope if 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 more was on it, one hundred percent. Like I, I to be honest, I think that he, that would be a really interesting dynamic too, right? I mean, like, so I feel that there's something I, that's the one thing I hope King Dynasty gives us is a really unique roster. Because that's one of the things I like about Avengers rosters and, and X-Men rosters and these and these these team books is that you can get really creative with them. And I think with this one in particular, I do think you're going to get probably a Photon. You're probably going to get Sam as Cap. You know, um, when I, I think, you know, obviously uh, we have Shuri as Black Panther. I think it should be on there too. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, honestly, and the more would be a really interesting dynamic because I, of what his, what he does and what he represents, I'd be really fascinated. So that's what, that to me is what I, I think that what, you know, Shang-Chi, I would love to see him on, on it. I think you're right. I think he's a lock in as well. That's a really interesting roster right there. They, they need a strong guy still. That's why I think Wonder Man or, or Hercules or even, uh, Chris Hemsworth coming in for Thor could be interesting, but We'll see. I, I don't know how that's going to work out, but yeah, they need a strong guy. You always need a strong guy in every every superhero team. And I, as far as brute strength, not just like your raw power, right? Yeah. So, yeah, that's that's what they just need to have that in this on the team, which could be She Hulk. You know, it could be She Hulk. So, so, who knows? I don't know. Yeah, I mean that that's just that. There's so many options that are on the table, but I, I definitely think you need to have. I like the idea of having very different Avengers rosters from. 
Yeah. Maybe not always from movie to movie, but certainly from one saga to the next, because I think that is part of what allows, gives each saga a bit more of its own identity as it's dealing with its own Avengers roster. And and that's where I, I kind of feel like they're, and I know we speculated a lot about, okay, well, you know, Tony Stark and, you know, Downey and, and Hugh Jackman and Secret Wars. And, and I do think there could be space for that, but that wouldn't necessarily be bring either of them into it as a full-fledged Avenger. It's like, if you can find space for them in there that works, okay, great. But yeah, I think this roster, and and I do think you'll see a, an evolving roster even between the two movies. And and I wouldn't say, I don't think either movie is necessarily going to be limited to like six Avengers. I think they'll have more than that. But somewhere between six and 40, closer to six, I think is where... Um, you'll see it land, but you'll see it shift from movie to movie. And and we know they can have, I mean, they had a bunch of people who were technically Avengers or acting as Avengers in Infinity War, but they split them up. So you didn't, you didn't necessarily have too many characters all at once being part of the same exact piece of the same exact mission. So they'll find a way to, to balance it out. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's largely been new character introductions, although we do have some veterans that are there. I mean, you mentioned, we talked about Wanda, Vision, potentially, Doctor Strange is out there, Thor, and and I mean, the, the mid-credit scene from Love and Thunder, it does demand, you know, initially a confrontation between Hercules and Thor, because that's the mission that Zeus is charging Hercules with, is to make sure, make everyone see Thor falling from the sky. So you got to pay that off before you move on to any other type of role for Hercules, although... Yeah, the, the idea of Chris Hemsworth and Brett Goldstein, that's another actor pairing that is going to be a whole lot of fun uh, in the MCU. And I think that's the, the cool thing about this, though, is like there's so many different, like really great actors doing a great job playing these characters already that the idea of, you know, any of these potential pairings and, and mashups of these characters, there's so many different possible permutations of an Avengers roster that just totally works uh, based on who they have available to choose from uh, over the course of this, you know, next era of, uh, of the, or this current era of the MCU. So as far as other characters, I mean, you mentioned Black Panther and and I kind of feel like that the connection between Black Panther and Namor is going to remain very strong because I think that is kind of the, the, the contact point for the two of them as they, bridge into, I mean, although Shuri's already connected with the other Avengers and stuff like that, but I, I feel like that's where there there might be a, a bit of a test, though, because the easiest thing to do would be to say that Shuri and, and Namor are, are still rivals, and therefore Shuri will be at odds with Namor. The, the more interesting thing might be that Shuri and Namor are initially on the same side and being confrontational toward other Avengers uh, because of whatever the circumstances may be. Um, as they all start to get together again for Kang Dynasty or, or Secret Wars or or whatever it may be, but Paul, I, I want to make sure uh, we we'll we'll get back to Kang now. At, at long last, we'll get. I mean, we could speculate about a bunch of other characters, and maybe we'll find time to do so. Although, eh, real quick, let's let's talk about Shang Chi right. because we we've all acknowledged right, okay. that he's a given on this roster based on the Destin Daniel connection, and also. I mean, one of the most successful debuts that we've seen for a new character in terms of financially, mm-hmm. critically, for a new character getting their new launching their own franchise in this multiverse saga. And and look, I, I think people have kind of slept on this because, well, it's already been a year and a half since we've seen the movie and a lot of other things have happened. But 
I mean, the Ten Rings, that mid-credit scene, that was great. Like, talking about how the Ten Rings had this ancient energy to it. Um, so it, that's very cosmic and goes, you know, beyond Earth and, and everything else. And so, and create a connection between Shang-Chi and Wong and Captain Marvel and Bruce Banner. So we have all of these things going on, and, and we know that this character is going to be uh, central in all of this. And what I don't necessarily have mapped out in my head is is where the multiverse basically factors into it. But a lot of these characters are just going to get roped into the multiverse of it all. So I don't really think that's uh, a, a really difficult leap for, for Marvel to make. I just think that Shang-Chi is a character who, look, I, I love that first movie. It's it's amazing. And, and I, I'm just, I, I wish we had a sequel between now and, and Kang Dynasty slash Secret Wars, as we talked about in our State of the MCU show. I don't see where the time is on, on Destin Daniel Cretton's schedule to, uh, to make that happen. But even without that, I, I see, well, Shang-Chi is probably going to have uh, at least a cameo in the Wonder Man series. That would make sense. Um, I would imagine the character might pop up once or twice uh, in some other projects between now. I totally think Thunderbolts is a place where Shang-Chi could pop up and also and or potentially his sister Shai Ling with her new Ten Rings business that she's starting up at the very end of that movie. Um, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So there's a, a lot of different places that they could potentially pop up, but I also think like Loki, not Loki, Loki Shang Chi has a. I think there's a, a there's a case to be made for him to emerge as a potential leader of this new group of Avengers. Mm-hmm. I just think if the mm-hmm. presence that Simu Liu brings to the role, I I think that the um, you know the the profile of the character after that first movie. I think also he's not as, um, I mean, I, I know obviously what his dad had him do when he was a, a kid, um, you know, is maybe the the moral complexity of that, but really he's he's pretty clean, though, as far as his uh, where he's at as a character, and I, I think that kind of, in terms of where his character judgment and, and moral compass is and stuff like that, and he is incredibly powerful, so... I know you. we might historically look at veteran players like Sam Wilson as Captain America or even Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel, and we see the, the leadership in, in those characters that would very naturally fit, but usually there's more than one leader-level figure within the Avengers. There's, there's ultimately one captain, but... Um, I, I don't think Field he, leader. I don't think you would say Tony wasn't a leader on the Avengers just because Cap was like the main leader. So I, I think in terms of Shang-Chi either being the leader of the Avengers or in that top tier, I really could see that happening because I, I think it just fits with where the character's at in terms of who he is and what he can do. I I purposely think that he's a dark horse in a lot of this because He's the one that that has the least history in the comics that has any ties to anything. And you can and because I'll just be frank, the movie version is one thousand times better than the comic version. Yeah, I'm sorry. like it's just I'm just reality. I mean, some of the old comics, like some of the art and some of the stories are, are interesting. Obviously, some of the things they say in it, not great that why why Simo Lee has been very offended and refused to sign them. I understand. I don't want to go down that too much to, down to that. But that being said, 
uh, yeah, like the, the movie version is 1000 times more interesting than the comics ever have been. I'm sorry. I, I don't like James Bond spy stuff myself a whole bunch. And that's essentially what it was. Um, and I think this version is so much more interesting, so much more, so much better. I just love, I love that movie. Death. I need to rewatch it. God dang. Um, the thing is, I would say is that I, we, we haven't got a real, a real definition of what he's doing. Cause I think they're still developing the story. I mean, obviously they're developed, they've already developed a lot of this, but you get what I'm saying. Like they, they're, they're saving, I think him for a reason. And I think you're on to something. I, I, I would not be shocked if he was a leader. I'm not saying he won't be. I don't know if he will be, but I will say there is something they're doing with him and they're saving him for a reason. And I, and I'm curious, I know there's that whole wreckage of time rumor going out there and we've talked about that a little bit. I'm not sure if that's going to play a part in something or if that's even real. Um, either way, they are holding him back, not on purpose. There's something going on, I think, and not, and again, not in a behind the scenes, like we can't figure out what's going on. It's it. There is something story wise. They are doing something with this character and because look at the 10 rings, right? They're coming back. Well, we haven't come back yet. Like, so where do they fit in everything? Which I think they're coming in sooner than later too. I do think that there's going to be some kind of revelation with him and that he'll be more tied to something at some point here real, real soon. And I think he, like you said, if it's not his own movie, it's going to be announced out of nowhere with a different director and different team. Um, I don't know what remains to be seen, but I do definitely think that there's something with him they're saving. And that I would not be shocked if he definitely ends up being like the next captain America, as far as like the guy who is just leading the team and is the natural leader. Uh, it, it, it would make sense. Like your way he carries himself, especially at the end of that movie, that third act is so good. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, and he's, and he's transformed. He's a di- different person. By the end of that movie. And I think that's, I, and I think that's definitely a uh, underrated aspect of that movie, to be honest. And I think that that's where uh, the character is probably going to really flourish. And I think that that's where I think going forward, he could really be a difference maker on an Avengers team. So, yeah, I definitely think that there he's been interestingly absent from the last year and a half and he hasn't shown up in anything. And there's no, no rumors or, or any there's no indication of him showing up anywhere. And I think yeah. that's very on purpose, if, if you will. Well, I'd say the connection that he has with Carol from the mid credit scene in Shang-Chi means he could pop up in the Marvels, even if it's only in a mid or post credit scene. So that could be a, a place that he could pop up next besides, as I speculated before moments ago, Thunderbolts. And I, I do think he's going to show up again somewhere between now and Kang Dynasty. And, and I don't think, by the way, when I say... I could see him emerging as a leader. I mean just that, emerging as a leader. I don't think they're going to start it as uh, we're the Avengers and Shang-Chi is the leader. Like They're going to develop that for the audience. Although he could be a leader in the sense that, look, we don't even know the mechanics of how the Avengers work right now, by the way. like That has not been shown to us in Phase 4 or Phase 5. We really don't know... What even is the roster right now? I mean, most recently in Quantumania, Scott at least wrote in his book as if the Avengers still exist, that he would still, you know, help them. He would absolutely jump in if they called upon him. But we don't know exactly what the... I mean, certainly the implication is that he's not an active Avenger at at that moment. Is anyone? That's still not totally clear. I, I feel like maybe... 
because Carol's been away from Earth for most of, you know, since Endgame. So I don't know that the Marvels is going to shed a whole lot of light on that. So maybe Cap 4 next year gives us a, a glimpse of that, of, of where things stand as it pertains to the Avengers. But uh, that obviously is a key part of it. So, I mean, if we say that there, none of the veteran Avengers are, are running around together anymore, then I guess Shang-Chi could emerge as a leader very early on if he's the one who, pardon the phrasing, assembles the, the team and, and moves on from there. Or if a team just gets together and then Shang-Chi, through his actions and the leadership in the moment, it kind of emerges throughout that story, I could see it unfolding uh, that way as well. But I don't know. It's hard for me to picture exactly what the role is for Shang-Chi. I just know it's going to be big, and I'm excited about it because, yeah, I'm huge, huge fan of the first film and Simu Liu's, uh, Simu Liu's portrayal of the character and just can't wait to see where he uh, where he pops up next. Okay, now let's make sure we uh, we spend some time talking about Kang. Time, I guess, being the operative word for Kang, as always. I know, Paul, the very next place, or we presume anyway, the very next place we will yeah. see him is Loki season two. Yeah. We have the post credit scene of Quantumania to confirm that for us. We know right. Loki season two. We don't have an exact date. We know it's coming out this year. I don't expect Kang to factor into Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I'm guessing we'll see Loki season two before the Marvels. I'm not ruling out a Kang appearance or reference in the Marvels to... Um, by way of maybe a mid or post credit scene to kind of rope Carol Danvers into this larger story or Monica Rambo or even Kamala Khan. But is there a place because there's always mid and post credit scenes, Paul. So not counting mm-hmm. mid and post credit scenes, which are always the wild cards and, and any and a Kang will or a variant of Kang will probably pop up in a few of those over the next few years. But if we're talking about in the main story of an MCU movie or series between Loki season two and Kang Dynasty, <laughs> what would you pick? What would be your guess? Oh, you already know what I'm going with this. I know, but I mean, that's that, that's a setup. I, I, that's that's podcast hosting right there. Oh, thank thank you. Um, obviously, it's going to be Fantastic Four. Like it's. It, it, there was all I had to see was once one person show up in in, in the mid credit scene of Quantum Media, and I went, "Oh God, okay." And 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 because we didn't go too deep into it yet, Sean, one of the reasons why I think it's fortuitous for and how the great fortune of Marvel casting Jonathan Majors is that and what they've shown us because not only did you show us all these different characters in the mid credit scene you, you I go back to Loki right I had no idea that he was going to play a part um, be probably I'm assuming a good chunk of that series at least as as an antagonist obviously it doesn't have to be the main main antagonist he could be like he who remains and just kind of show up here or there and then at the very, very end whatever but that still I was like okay so we know he's going to be playing multi all these different Kings. And that's a lot. It's really cool. Oh my God. He didn't play, you know, it's when you see him as Rama Tut, I was like, Oh, excuse me. Shit. I'm like, that's what they're doing for for fantastic four. Holy shit. Okay. 
Because one of the things we've all talked about, Sean, is, you know, for, for a long time, is when you introduce Fantastic Four, you got to introduce Doctor Doom. You just have to. Again, I, I get it. Like, you know, but they've screwed it up twice. We all knew there's no way they're going to do uh, Doctor Doom again right off the bat. They just, you can't do it. You just can't. And I, I didn't know what they were going to do. I, I honestly didn't. Cause I didn't. I think I thought Rama Tut was going to be like, you know, too much. But when they show Rama Tut in Quantum Mania, I, I, immediately, mm-hmm. I immediately went, oh, my God. And then after you see the Loki ends credit scene, I'm like, oh, my God. Like, Jonathan Major is going to be the, the antagonist in like 50% of these movies as different people, basically, which is incredible. Um, and, and that's the thing about I, that's why I'm so excited for phase five and six, man, because because people, yes, we're, we're seeing Creed three. He's got the other independent movie that's coming out here. It's getting a lot of Oscar buzz. If he what's to say Creed three is a, is, a, is a big hit, right? Or a pretty decent hit for him. And it's it elevates, you know, he's already been elevated because of, of Marvel. Let's be real. His other films, whatever. Then you get he, he gets Oscar buzz. He gets nominated. Let's just say he gets nominated for Academy Award. Uh, and you have all of a sudden this guy who's like maybe the hottest actor in Hollywood could be playing like four different versions of the same character that are all different. Like you couldn't, you couldn't ask for a better setup. And the crazy thing is that one big credit scene, he plays all of them so differently. It's perfect. It's so perfect. And Fantastic Four, I mean, I've always, I was already excited. And I, I, full, full disclosure, I'm not a Rambo Tut fan. I've never been, I'd never liked the character. Never. I was like, whatever. I get he's a king. I don't care. I never cared about him. Now I'm like, oh yeah, give that to me right now. That's how good Jonathan Majors is. That to me tells me that we're going to get Fantastic Four. And I'm a little nervous. The only thing I'm a little nervous about right now, Sean, is that I'm a little nervous that the rumors of them being like part of the whole time thing, the, that does make me nervous a little bit with Rama Tut as a villain. That's how they're going to tie them into it. But all that being said, we're going to, you know, this confirms that Rama Tut is going to be messing around with something in Fantastic Four. And that's leads perfectly into King Dynasty. When I looked at the release dates, I went, Oh, Oh God. Like they're, uh, they're wow. Okay. Like they're doing this and it's going to be so exciting, man. Like I, I think we're going to be getting like Stargate meets superheroes. If that makes any sense. That actually and makes a lot of it's, sense. And that's going to be crazy. Cause if, imagine being, cause it, it's going to be a co- There's going to be a huge cosmic element to this, believe it or not. Like there's going to be, like, I don't know you believe it, but I mean like for those out there who don't know what I'm talking about, Ramatut and all this, everything, there are a lot of implications with with this him being in the character. There's, I mean, there's loosely connections of Reed being related to Kang. That's maybe not ne- necessarily his father, which John Byrne just threw a huge bomb into that in his run. But that's been kind of retcon and kind of maligned a little bit and, and whatever. But there's going to be a connection, you know, in, in Dan Slott's run recently, if in Essex Four that just ended, there's like a special like anniversary issue, Sean, where um, all the, there's like, it's all the Kangs. You have the red centurion, Ramatut, Kang and Mortis are all there. And an, a, a random one shows up and they had to go and defeat, like they had to go do something. I forgot what it was exactly, but basically they had to fight the fantastic four in, 
and, de- and defeat different versions of them to like get something to prove the worthiness of like being a, a you know a, a Kang or a variant or whatever. And this random one that you don't see the mask of. And spoiler alert for those of you, if you want to read the issue, it's still a great issue to read. It's but it kind of emphasizes what, I, what I'm going with this is that they all have to have the blood the blood of uh, so there's bloodline to, to be able to, to carry a certain thing to, to carry through the, the the task and they all do it and at the very end it's Reed Richards is the one who's masked and because he's related to them in some capacity he passed for a Kang variant and I was like oh okay and so you could play on that aspect of Reed Richards still being a descendant of Kang and that whole thing which is really fascinating so I, there's lots of really great stuff in here. I, I'm, again, the only thing I'm nervous about Fantastic Four right now, without really knowing anything, is I think it confirms, you know, Ramatut, which I'm, maybe before would have been nervous, but with Jonathan Majors, I'm all in. I'm all freaking in. Um, but I do think that it makes, it does give more credence to that them being displaced in time in some way or something like that. Or they maybe got their powers in a time machine, which I think is also very interesting too, which I think if that's how they get it, I'd be even more into that. But either way, Ramatat's going to get defeated and possibly killed in that movie. And that's going to set up a big, big thing for King Dynasty. There's, and I do think that the, the main, the King from Quantumania will be coming back in some way. And I think he'll be... He'll be he'll play some part to play in King Dynasty, but I do think Ramatut dying will be like an indication of the Council of Kings of like, oh no, something's happening. So that's where I'm going with all this. That's where my speculation is. It's Ramatut versus Fantastic Four. Hopefully they're not displaced from time, but maybe they get their powers from time, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I mean, well, they could be displaced in time if they're going back to the time when Kang was rolling around in ancient Egypt as Rama Tut. And like, I think that's the part of it that I don't know. I mean, I am curious to see how they'll work that. I mean, the council of Kangs has already been alerted to, you know, our earth based heroes touching the multiverse. I mean, that's what the death of the exiled one alerts them to at, at the end of the council of Kangs. But at the same time, that doesn't mean there can't be something else that makes it even more urgent. Cause you know, we're not going to see them descend upon Earth and, and take everybody out in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. So there's always some space between these things, and, and there are other inciting incidents. And so I definitely am of the mind that, well, I, I've been of the mind that the whole time that, like, Doctor Doom just can't or really shouldn't be the main antagonist of the first MCU Fantastic Four movie. Like, I, I just, I, I think... Most people seem to be in agreement with that point because we've already watched not so great versions of it, but we've seen a number of FF versus Doctor Doom already, and we want to see it again, but I I think I still think Marvel is better off saving Doom for phase seven. I mean, I'm I'm still not ruling out Doom playing a part in Secret Wars as he did in Jonathan Hickman's Secret Wars, so I can't I can't dismiss it, but I'm I do lean toward kind of hoping they save Doom for later, which just begs the question of, okay, well, if not Doom, then who is the antagonist? And there are plenty of options for the Fantastic Four. I mean, you could go all the way back and go with Mole Man if you want to, um, but it just doesn't feel like 
a villain who's going to give the audience the full sense of the the proper scope of Fantastic Four right out the gate. And so I, I think that's where a character like Ramatut could come into it and, and it just feeds into Secret Wars and, and all of those things. I, I guess the only question or the questions I have is I do expect Ramatut to make an appearance in Fantastic Four because, hey, that's where Ramatut debuted in the comic books was Fantastic Four. Before there was Kang, there was Ramatut in uh, Fantastic Four. And so the, you know, the comic books lay the groundwork for that, and Ramatut is shown to us as part of the council in the mid-credit scene for Quantumania. So it just makes sense to have an FF and, and Ramatut confrontation in their movie. I, I think the question on my mind is, is that the whole movie with Ramatut being the antagonist, or could it be the Fantastic Four versus multiple variants of Kang, Ramatut and another one? Um, or could Ramatep be in it and the Fantastic Four have to take on another antagonist at the same time, whether that's Mole Man or some other type of villain team up? I, I could see that because I, I think the question that I or the not question concern worry that I have is. You want to keep building up Kang but you also have to toe that line of how many times are you going to show the audience uh, Kang losing or a variant of Kang losing before we are supposed to be really worried about whether or not the a bunch of Avengers can take him down. And I know, and I know you can say, well, the difference is in that movie, it'll be a bunch of Kangs all at once. And I guess that's fine. And it works on that level. But, you know, the... To go back to you know, prote- professional wrestling analogies here, you kind of got to protect your big bad uh, a little bit and, and not just show him getting beaten over and over and over again. So what I would say is that if they use Ramatut in Fantastic Four, and I totally think whether it's Ramatut or a different variant or multiple variants, I do think Kang, whether it's as a, some variant of Kang, whether it's as a main antagonist or an antagonist or some other factor, meaningful factor in the story, I definitely think there's a, a, a meaningful spot for Ramatut or some other variant of Kang in the Fantastic Four movie. I do think that's going to happen. The fact that the movie comes out right before, I mean, it's February of 2025, Fantastic Four, and then first weekend in May, just a couple of months later, we will get, um, about two and a half months later, we're going to get uh, Avengers Kang Dynasty. So it just makes sense. It's a perfect handoff. But because it's that handoff of just a couple months, like I don't I don't think, even if the, the FF have to battle Ramatut, I actually don't know that they need to, and they if it's Ramatut, they probably would, but I don't know if they need to actually kill him in that one. I, I don't know that Kang needs to have a full-on loss because it's kind of what we talked about for Quantumania, Paul, where, and we didn't end up being all, all that right about it, where we could have seen a, a scenario for that movie. And, and I guess you could make the argument that the exiled Kang is still alive somehow, somewhere in the multiverse. But I don't know that I expected Kang to have that much of a defeat in Quantum Mania, and so I, I guess I would go back to that idea for Fantastic Four, especially since it's so close to Kang Dynasty. Of you know, find a way to provide a resolution to end that movie that really is not a loss for Kang. Um, I, I think would be the the delicate 
balance that I would I hope they find with that. Because yeah, otherwise, yeah, my my concern is that it's just okay. Everybody deals with a different variant of Kang. Oh, and they win. So what exactly are we supposed to be afraid of for our I, heroes in the next one? I think the, how you do that is pretty easily. You have henchmen. You have the Fantastic Four fighting Ramatut and that really co- a cool idea of Stargate meets Cosmic. Mm-hmm. But I, here's what I think you do. You don't have them defeat Ramatut. Yeah. You who, can have them stop ha- him, you know, stop him without killing him. Right, right, right. No, but like, ruin, ruin a plan, not everything. Yeah, like they, they stop one aspect, right? There's just one. But ultimately, they don't stop everything because someone else does for them. Right. And that's King himself. Ah, there you King go. King shows up. Yeah, King shows up, kills Ramatut, and says, you know, like, you know, like he'll come up and say, you know, you thought I was dead. I, I'm coming back to conquer, you know, or something, you know, stupid line like that. I'm not it's all on top of my head, but or you got a brand new variant of Kang that's even more powerful than the one from Quantum Mania. <laughs> you could do that. Right, too. right. I think I think that's I think I I foresee because you have because it has to set up King Dynasty it has to. You don't have the connection of, of Ramatut. You don't introduce Ramatut in the mid credit scene. Have an Essex before coming two months before King Dynasty to be like, no, it's, really, it's not going to really be t- that connected. It, it has to be deeply connected. I, I it, it would be a huge upset like New York Giants versus New York, you know undefeated Patriots uh, <laughs> I, at this at this point in my opinion. Which again it could happen, but I just highly unlikely. I do think that. I, I honestly think that's probably going to end up happening. There's going to be something they stop, but they're 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 on their way to stop it. But really, they're they're surprised when uh, someone shows up they don't even know. But then Rama Tut knows who they is. The audience will know who it is because we just saw him, and he'll show up as Kang and be like, you know, you know, you thought I was dead, and then like all of a sudden he blows him away, and they're like, huh? And then he's and then he'll be like, you know, don't worry, I've. I've 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 saved I've saved your life. You know, you you owe me a favor or something like that. Like kind of, and they're like, oh, like they don't even know what's going on, but we all know and go, oh, sh. You know, this is not good because if you know that he's going out, he's it's gonna be him versus the Council of Kings. There's something going on there, and that goes back to what I'm saying about Secret Wars. I don't think that Doom will play any part of this Phase Five or Six. I put money on it right now. Ain't gonna happen. Because, but again, what's what's the MCU done so well? They grab different elements of different stories, mush together, and have done a really great job of telling like one great story. Infinity War and Gauntlet, all that stuff mashed into one. Infinity, all mashed into one story, and you get Infinity War and Endgame, and they're fantastic. I think Secret Wars is going to be literally Secret Wars Volume 1, 3, Avengers Forever, a couple of different other things, mash it all together. It's going to be Kang versus Immortus or something like that. And it's going to be, if you look at Avengers forever, it's literally Immortus grabbing a bunch of Avengers from different timelines, mm-hmm. putting them on one team, the fight against Kang and Kang has his own. He gets at one point his own Avengers. But if you look at secret wars three, it's a kind of that whole idea of like one guy is ruling over everything and it's crumbling underneath them. And he's got, he need eventually there's all these people battling for each other. It's going to be that basically it's going to be some form or another of those two things of either Kang, the conqueror grabbing different random, ve- you know, heroes or whatever, which will be obviously like the X, you know, the Daredevil or the Daredevils, but the, um, oh God, Ben Affleck. 
like showed up in the movie. Oh my God, so take my money right now. Like I, I see it every day for a month that that happened. Um, but if you talk, if you're talking about like X-Men, you have the Hugh Jackmans, the Deadpools, the, uh, you know, I think Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield or something like that. All those different characters, you know, with mixed with versus the MCU versions of these characters, like a Iron Man, Captain America, uh, Chris Evans, Captain America. It's going to be like that. Right. And so I feel that there, that's why I think, um, Fantastic Four has to end with Rama Tut in some ways being defeated, not by the Fantastic Four, but it, it at least somewhere shows. I could see, I, I could see a Mortis killing him. Like I, yeah, I, I uh, wouldn't be shocked either. I could totally see Rama Tut like having some plan of what he's supposed to do, and you know, through Stargate shenanigans, the Fantastic Four defeat him and block that path. And then he returns to the Council of Kang and Immortus calls him weak and kills him. Like, I, I could see that, too. Um, and so, like, I, I think there are different ways to make sure that there's a worse version of Kang that you're more that's always around the corner that you're always more afraid of. Um, I, I think you have to find that balance to, to make sure that he may, remains intimidating and imposing, even as maybe uh, taking an L or two. Uh, along the way but yeah i definitely see a a spot for him in fantastic four i don't think he would be the the main villain or have a huge part in anything else besides fantastic four and 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 loki season two because i kind of think that's enough and i I don't think loki's going to get a win by the way like he's not going to kill another variant like he killed he who remains or watch me be totally wrong about that before the end of the year but yeah i i certainly hope not because yeah you just i i do think it would be a mistake to keep killing kangs uh in advance of uh of kang dynasty but yeah the idea of the fantastic four versus rama tut and or other variants of kang um seems pretty cool and, and yeah and it introduces the fantastic four to the mcu in a in a way that puts them right at the center of the story and really sets them up. I, in terms of Doctor Doom, um, I, I don't think they're going to pull a swerve and say that now we're going to go full Jonathan Hickman and have Doctor Doom be the main villain of our Secret Wars movie. I'd be very surprised if they did that, and honestly, I'd be bummed out if they did that because I think that would be a disservice to... Simultaneously, you would do a disservice to Kang and Doctor Doom and arguably the Fantastic Four and arguably the entire MCU. Um, Because as we speculated about before, huge role for Doom post phase six. And what I wouldn't mind seeing them doing rather than, you know, although it's a pretty good bet that Doom doesn't show up at all in phase five or six. But at the same time, I do think there's a spot for Doom, just not as the big bad. I I think that you can acknowledge that Dr. Doom exists. You can acknowledge that Latveria exists and if you even want to go so far as to cast somebody to be Dr. Doom, go ahead and do it and have them play a part. But it would be more of a behind the scenes, ready to pounce. And once the Secret Wars are over, I feel like Dr. Doom using that moment to seize control and seize power would be a great way to set up the next saga starting in Phase 7. So I think there's a way you can even use doom to transition into the next transition from the multiverse saga into the next one but i'll leave it at that paul because if i if i go any deeper into that then this show will be way off the rails and we might as well we'd have to double our runtime yeah and we've already talked a lot about that too i i think that's a smarter aspect because i do feel that they're 
again, I've gone on record and really quickly, I was going to say, I've, I've said it before, the next phase after the multiverse saga will be that more of a political, you know, well, like it's Cold gotta War. be, it's you, you went from, it has to go down. You went from magic yeah. stones to multiverse. Like you've got to ground it in the next one. Like you, you can't get and bigger than the multiverse. For- <laughs> yeah, and, and, like, and Doom and Doom's and yeah, and Doom's perfect for it because yeah. he's a, he is a bridge or he's like the perfect bridge of magic and like that. The, the, he's a combination of like magic, Iron Man, and also like a little bit of that political like idea because he's got all those things wrapped into one. That's kind of what makes him such a fascinating character. Yeah. Over the years, they've turned him into this like he's a he's, he's a wizard, you know, a magician magic, you know, whatever you want to call him, warlock. And he's also, you know, a genius. He's also, you know, he's flawed, he's flawed, but he's also evil. Yeah, like he's, he's such, he's Tony he's Stark, Reed Richards character. and Stephen strange and, and evil. <laughs> so, Whoa. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. And he, and he's, a, he, and he's just an, an awful person. Like, but yeah. you, you can sip, you can sympathize with him a little, a little bit. Like again, in the comics, you understand, I, but he's so, but he's so vain that's what makes him, I think, so that's what draws the evilness and makes him go down the different path that, that, that Tony Stark could not go down. Because even though that, you know, Tony was selfish, there's still some good nature there. Whereas, like, you'll see with Doom, that's not the case. When Doom starts spiraling, when he starts getting low, Tony would, like, he comes to reality. Doom just wallows and goes further, deeper into it because he is that vain, self, that selfishness goes even deeper than Tony's. And that's something to be said, right? But like, even with Tony's, you know, most selfishness, that's doom goes even deeper. But you add that magic element, you add that, that he's a freaking like king element. There's a lot there. I mean, you've said it before too, Sean. After this, after the multiverse saga, they just need to do a doom Disney Plus TV series. series. It Disney yeah. Plus series. It, it it would be the biggest thing because there's so much. Like, if you built them up from a young person to an adult, you're talking like. It would be huge because everyone loves like, you know, look at these shows like The Last of Us and, these, and you know, all these shows on TV. Like they're all about drama and really bringing that aspect of like that. They're and in like a super a, dark. <laughs> like it's right. Yeah. Super dark. Like Doom it could be super dark. Like take WandaVision, but make it like even more dramatic than that because you have like a guy, you know, is headed down the wrong path and like, you know, where it's headed. If you built that up and the fact, because think about this, imagine a Disney Plus series, not just a building up Doom, building up a, you know, a sorceress mom, a sorcerer mom, right? Sorceress who is raising you as a gypsy on Latveria and is killed by the government. And that person she's teaching magic to ends up taking over the country. Like that sounds incredible. Like this, I'd watch the hell out of that regardless if it was. Marvel or not like that is you're printing off huge viewership in my opinion if you oh, make yeah. that no I think if you even just leave doom I mean you can refer to him and refer to Latveria and all of that stuff like that'd be fine with it. but yeah if imagine if you didn't show doom at all or you only barely showed him in the rest of the multiverse saga probably even more effective if you don't show him at all and then the very first release in Phase Seven, the very first project of Phase Seven, is a Doom Disney Plus series that takes you back through his history, but also shows you how he accrued power while all this multiverse stuff was going on. 
um, to where like by the end of that series, you already see him emerge as like the most formidable uh, antagonist in in all of the MCU, or at least as far as our Earth-based heroes are concerned. Like I, I think that would just be amazing to mm-hmm. see them uh, yep. to see them do that. But oh we God. could go deeper into that. Well, I mean, we have and we can. Uh, for another day, because yeah, Kang is uh, and the multiverse saga are, are the stars of this speculation spectacular. So, um, Paul, I'll I'll leave it to you. Is there? I mean, obviously, there's a million more things we could mention and, and break down, but any other pressing matters that we haven't uh, haven't gotten to yet? Well, I, I you know we're not gonna get into it. I think today, I think we can say that for probably eventual like more casting announcements or, or trailers or pictures or whatever. But Thunderbolts, you know, there's 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 lots. To me, people, if you're if you're kind of like worried about people just harping on the MCU and because you don't want people, you know, just being negative all the time, I do think that the MCU is going to have some huge hits on their hands. I, I don't. I listen. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three is going to be great. I think it's going to be a great send off. Hope I'm, I'm really knock on what it is, but I think it's going to be good. Even for me, who doesn't love Volume Two, I'm a little nervous about the Marvels, just because they've moved it and because of just it's just. They're juggling a lot. Juggling a lot. That being said, I loved all the characters, so I'm 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 hoping that's a win. I I, I will be honest. I'm not 100% confident because of what we've gotten so far, but I'm hope I'm hopeful. But I will t- tell you this: that I think Thunderbolts is going to be j- freaking. It's going to be. I think that's going to be like a runaway hit. Florence Pugh leading the the Thunderbolts. Yeah, like that's gonna that's that's gonna be I I say it right here it's gonna break a billion I think that will break a billion no no unless it's a complete turd, you know which I just I can't see Florence Pugh doing I just don't think they she would allow that like she's so charismatic even if it was a giant turd of a script it'd be good because she's so good you know and so I yeah I don't know man like, I I just feel that Thunderbolts and specifically and I forget is Captain America four coming out during this time frame too? Like yeah, always, Captain America it? Captain America New World Order is just uh, a few movies away. It's Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three and then the Marvels and then Cap New World Order. Um Yeah, so I so yeah, I, so I, yeah I, to that I point good. I, I feel mean, good. Uh yeah, look, I feel f- I liked Quantum Mania. Like it's a bummer that I understand why a lot of other people didn't, because there are certainly things I didn't like about the movie. I'm bummed to see that it's it's not doing as well, but at the same time, it's not a bad thing. Like I, I I don't think that it's a bad thing for Marvel Studios to to be shown that they you know, that hey, quality impacts the box office even for Marvel Studios, right? Because uh, everything they've done for the most part has been such a hit. Although I think that's because what they were making was was good stuff, but. I think what we've seen from audiences now, and and look, and I, uh, I, it's it's not even a, it's not a hill worth dying on, but I will emphatically say, like, I I think Quantumania is definitely a better movie than Thor: The Dark World, and Thor: The Dark World got a pass back in 2013. But that's what it tells you is that the audience has higher expectations for Marvel movies now than they did um, in the first couple phases of the MCU. Some of that is totally fair. Some of that is, yeah, sure, Marvel being a victim of their own success. Like, not everything can be Infinity War or Endgame. But really, the problems that people are having with Quantumania are not because it isn't Infinity War or Endgame. It's not because of a lack of scale. Um, I think it really goes into the, some of the stuff that we talked about. I, I think it's 
Marvel not doing some of the things that they do best, which is focusing on the core characters. Yes, the antagonist had a great showing. Yes, Janet Van Dyne had a great showing. But the movie is called Ant-Man and the Wasp. And I don't think that and it's not go back to our spoiler review. I don't blame the actors with um, with Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly, respectively. I just think the story didn't really have us get really challenge us to get to know those characters and engage with those characters in a way that was deeper and, and different than what we had been uh, given with those characters in the past. I think Scott Lang was still very much the same guy as he's been throughout, which is fine to an extent. But if you think about the journeys that we went on with characters like Tony Stark, Steve Rogers, uh, Thor, Peter Parker, I mean, characters that have had a um, really more successful and satisfying trilogies, especially at the end for their solo franchises, you just saw a lot of different things from those characters and them going through things that changed them. And, and that was part of the process and really drew the audience in and engaged with them. I think I've said it for a long time and not that I'm the only one, but it bears repeating that. And I'm just echoing stuff that's also <laughs> going to be on the Fan Show Plus episode. But look, I think a big part of what's made the MCU so special is we t the way we talk about it represents the way it's been presented to us. We talk about Tony and Steve more than we talk about Iron Man and Captain America. And so it's who these characters are that is at the center of the storytelling when it's done, when it's at its best. And I don't know that they totally nailed that with Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania, certainly not as successfully as they have in most of their other projects. And, and I do think that while here we are having fun speculating and, and looking forward, we can do that right now because there's not a new movie that's out. We've already done our had our conversation about quantum mania. And so occasionally we will have these moments where we do this. But for Marvel Studios, it's about the story that's right in front of us. And if we look at the marketing for quantum mania, it was all about its place in the larger MCU as opposed to what that specific movie was and what it was offering the audience and the story that it was telling. And I think that's because it wasn't offering as much in in the moment, in the, in the present with its main characters as these movies normally do. But this isn't something that gives me cause for concern because this is an out, quantum mania in that respect is an outlier in the MCU. And I think that as Kevin Feige says, Marvel learns some, from every project, they'll learn lessons from this. And also Kevin Feige has once said, I remember when he said he doesn't like it when people say, trust Marvel, that, oh, just trust us, because he said, don't trust us, just make us earn it. Well, that's right, and the audience is making them earn it every time out, and maybe they didn't quite earn it as well with Quantumania, but the audience, that Marvel Studios isn't quitting, the audience isn't quitting on them. I think that this is a, a studio that already has a good sense for for storytelling and character arcs and, and evaluators of talent to bring in writers and directors and all of those things. I fully expect them to be right back on track. I'm actually not worried about the Marvels. I believe in Nia DaCosta, the director of that movie, the cast for that movie. I think that moving it back a few months is less about the current state of that movie and more about just spacing things out for yeah, the I MCU so. and, and part yeah. of just adjusting things and not releasing as many things. And because, yeah, it's, it's better to have the Marvels come out in November than, and be the first Marvel movie in about six months than be the third Marvel movie within the same six month, you know, five to six month stretch. It just makes more sense to do that, especially when you also factor in that after the Marvels, there's not going to be another Marvel movie. 
until Captain America New World Order in May. And speaking of which, when you look at what's coming, I have full faith in Guardians 3. And I have full faith in the Marvels. And obviously on the Disney Plus series, because I think those have been pretty great so far, especially really pumped for Loki Season 2 this year. But moving into next year, yes, I'm excited like Paul is for Thunderbolts. I'm really excited about Captain America New World Order. I think that movie's going to be freaking awesome uh, with all of the elements that are in play. And Captain America versus uh, Harrison Ford as President Thunder- Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross. And, uh, you know, maybe just maybe the the Red Hulk that Ross becomes in the comic books, like, and that's probably going to be part of it. So, like, there's... It's bonkers. There's so many things ha- coming in the MCU that I think are going to be awesome and compelling. And, and look, I, I think the audience is still a- along for the ride when Marvel gives them, uh, you know, tells quality stories. And given their track record, I there's no reason to doubt Marvel's ability to continue telling quality stories. I, I have just no doubts about that whatsoever. So... Yeah, learn the lessons that you can from Quantumania. Apply that to continue telling better stories moving forward. Uh, continue that process and focus on the the core principles of, of storytelling that have served Marvel so well over the years. Really bringing it back, putting character at the, and emotional engagement with those characters and their arcs for the audience so that the audience connects with them and is friends and family with them on a first-name basis with those characters as we've been for so many years that's the the in my estimation at least a, a huge part of the magic of Marvel Studios and the MCU and I don't think that's going away anytime soon so I think that's it that's a good enough yeah. time and hopeful enough Ooh. message to uh, go ahead and end this so um but uh yeah so that's an upper a, a little bit more of a downer when I do the postmortem on Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania and its performance on Fan Show Plus but it's still interesting stuff. Interesting to me. I think hopefully interesting to those of you who get a chance to check it out, which you can at patreon.com slash Sean Gerber or on Apple Podcasts. Search for the MCU Fan Show channel or Fan Show Plus. You can find it there on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. Make sure you're following us on Instagram and Twitter at MCU Fan Show. Don't forget to leave that rating and review on Apple Podcasts if you haven't done so already. Uh, we really would appreciate it. And if you have, thanks. Uh, Paul, where can everybody find you? You can find me on Twitter at Herman22 with two N's, a.k.a. P-Thug. Also, please go follow or follow. Go subscribe to the Comic Binge YouTube channel. Um, Just last Saturday, I had a great uh, chat with uh, the YouTube channel for, for the love of comics. Uh, he's a, a guy who lives in India and he his comic knowledge of just the medium in general is insane. And like maybe quite possibly one of the nicest people I may have ever met. Just super gracious amazing dude we had a blast we did our top five kurt music stories which avengers forever on spoiler alert was on my list of top five uh and and what we did a little fun thing sean we um i we agreed to do we agreed to come on we both agreed to not tell each other what our top five were so they'd be a surprise for when we, when we talked about it and he blew me i'll just say this he blew me away at what he picked because i i because he's not a superhero guy like that's not really his thing he likes some superhero comics here and there, but he just, that's not what he gravitates, uh, gravitates towards, like, make me. But uh, he surprised me with some cool stuff in there. I was like, whoa. And uh, it was it was a blast. It, we talked about the, the great writer, which honestly, going back to Kang, wrote Kang Dynasty, the, the, the main story from the Avengers from like the early 2000s with, uh, I think Alan Davis was on that one with him, but George Perez may have done the covers. But either way, 
go check out that um get, go subscribe my channel go subscribe to his channel he's awesome tell him the comment binge sent yeah and yeah go uh go go check it out super appreciate it yeah go check it out and if you want to follow me you can do that on twitter and instagram at mr sean gerber so for paul i'm sean thanks for listening we'll see you next time